Hello, it's Catherine, and welcome to another day of random stuff. Today is March 31st, which is the Trans Day of Visibility. If anyone has been scared to come out to their family and friends, or they're not able to, Today is a good day to do that. I know it's hard. It was hard for me too, even though it's been four years, over four years. But I still, I still play it out in my mind occasionally. If I could see if I could do it differently. But it kind of worked out for me in the long run. So if you are able to pull up, bring up the courage to come out to your family and friends and you're not going to get into big trouble about it. Today would be a good day. Now, have you been paying attention to what our person in charge has been doing? He literally wants to close the border to Mexico because he is blaming them for not stopping the, the illegal immigrants from crossing the border. This is classic dictator policy. I... Everybody who listens to this show knows, and who knows me, knows that I can't stand his guts. Nearly everything he does just pisses me off. But the only thing I can do is to vote him out of office in 2020. Which I plan to do. One of the Democratic candidates is running again this year. And if he makes the nomination, I will definitely vote for him. It would be great to have someone like Bernie Sanders in the off in the office of the president because he 
he is someone that his message talks to a lot of people more so than our current president now I think I'm done with different topics today, so here is Pastor Bray Adams for today's sermon, given, as always, at Open Arms Metropolitan Community Church over at 68 Ashland Street in the Calvary St. Andrews building. Enjoy. I want to talk to you today about grace and mercy and forgiveness. Now, I hope this is something that you've all experienced. You know, you forget a doctor's appointment and they don't charge you. Right, Scott? The police officer gives you a warning instead of the ticket. Maybe you should have been fired for that really big mistake. But the boss lets you slide. Because you all know some form of grace and mercy, but how about forgiveness? You know, we've all made mistakes, hurt someone with our words or actions, and when we do, we want to be forgiven. Now, some of us have made bigger mistakes than others. Some of us wish forgiveness and have not yet, and maybe will never receive it from the human person they most desire it from. You see, forgiveness is a tricky thing. I imagine if we looked around this congregation right now, we could find a person or two that all of us need to beg forgiveness from. I know I read an instant message from, some, uh, from someone in this congregation not that long ago in the middle of a board meeting, and then I went home, and then I took a nap, and then I forgot all about it, and I didn't return her call. And when I was called out on it later, there was absolutely nothing I could say but ask for mercy and grace and especially forgiveness. So what does that have to do with our story today? To recap, it's the story of two sons, an older, obedient son and an insolent, greedy, younger son. You see where I'm going here? The older son stays with the family and works in the fields. But the younger son has the nerve to ask for his inheritance early, basically implying he can't wait around for his father to die. He wants the money now. Now, as we know, the parents consent, and the young man sets out to see the world. Having seen his disrespectful nature and immaturity, we're not surprised when he, quote, squanders his property in, this is what the uh, New King James Version says, dissolute living. To avoid starvation, when the, when the weather goes bad and all the crops are gone, the son takes a job tending pigs. Now remember that pigs are the most unclean animal to the Hebrew people. But even then, he's so hungry, he wishes he could have what the pigs are eating. And realizing that the hired hands working for his father have better circumstances than he, the young man returns home. Planning because he cannot imagine himself worthy. Planning to ask to be treated as a worker. He knows he can never be considered a son. 
So that's why what happens next is so unexpected. You know, the younger son is still so far away when his parents see him, and he runs. They run to greet him with joy and their celebration. And everyone, well, maybe not everyone, is happy. Because there's the older son. You remember him, the one who has been dutiful, who never said, hey, Pops, can't wait for you to croak off. I need your money now. Remember that guy, the one who stayed and helped his parents in their old age? That one. He comes in and he sees his dad having a big old party, bringing out the best robes, killing the fatted calf, rings and all these slippers and things going on his feet. And this is the guy who squandered half the family fortune. Hmm. You can almost see him pouting. You've never given me so much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Remember what I told the children? Were they really the other guy's friends? Poor guy. His brother gets all the good stuff and he gets nothing. I guess he's just the favorite. But in the end, remember that the parent can't dissuade his son and he does remind him, you will always be with me. And that's not all. He says this, he says, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and is now found. You are not left behind or left out, older son. You have earned your reward. And it's not going to be denied you. But we had to rejoice, this parent is saying, because that's what mercy and grace are all about. In other words, you lose nothing by us celebrating another one. That's what parents do for children. It's what's asked of followers of Christ. You know those words. We've said them every week for so long. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But I have a question for us to consider. Yeah, it's a pause for drink. Did the parent do the right thing? You know, we talked about this a little bit at Bible study last Wednesday at 11. Is it right? Is it fair? Is it justice? Did they do the right thing? Who's justice? Justice for whom? Now, the parents' critics say, no, it is not right. The people who played by the rules should see the rewards. Those who have stayed on the right path, who've done all the right things, who've been at church every Sunday, Bibles in hand, right with the Lord. At least that's how they see it. They deserve more than those who have abandoned the community and live according to their own desires. They shouldn't come back and automatically reap the bounty of others' hard work. Some people would say if you reward the younger brother, you signal that self-indulgent pays. Well, hard work is just hard work. Indeed, some people would argue that the parent's example is especially dangerous now, in this day and age. Jesus preached at the time of the Pharisees, an overly rigid and rule-bound society. And in these circumstances, a story of radical forgiveness was useful antidote to the prevailing legalism. Follow this rule and this rule and this rule and this rule. You're in or you are out. But critics say now we don't live in that society. We live in a society in which moral standards and, and standards even of common decency are fuzzy, in which people are already certainly encouraged to do their own thing. We know that we live in a society with advanced social decay. 
We got teens shooting up high schools, politicians and the rich giving tax, getting tax breaks while the poor go hungry, and the government financial shutdowns that make the food programs not work, so they're even more behind. We live in a time in which immigrants are so despised that there are hundreds of people right now as we speak, men, women, and children who are legally in this country seeking asylum, trapped under an overpass in El Paso, Texas. That's the time we live in. Nobody's following any darn rules. They say the parents' example in the parable reinforces Luth's self-indulgence at a time when we need more rule following, more social discipline, more accountability, not less at least that's what some people say I hear a lot of danger in those rules though rule following makes a lot of sense if the rules are aimed at leveling a playing field but just as with the Pharisees social discipline is so often a code word for say, staying in your place whose place who decides and accountability whose account now, for this again, is a tricky thing. So imagine yourself in this situation. On October 2nd, 2006, Charles C. Roberts walked into an Amish schoolhouse armed with three guns. There were 26 students in that schoolhouse, and he immediately allowed the 15 boys and a pregnant female student and three other adult females with infant children to leave safely. But he kept the remaining 15 girls captive and had them bind each other's feet together. Now his deranged rationale for these actions was he wanted to exact revenge for something that had happened in the past. He notes that he left behind indicate anger towards himself, but also towards God, toward his parent, for the death of his newborn daughter almost nine years later. So the authorities were alerted and they arrived on the scene but not long after they arrived, Robert started shooting. He killed three children and then himself. Two more children died later from their injuries. Now in the face of such tragedy, one can only imagine the hurt and the anger and the rage that the loved ones of the victims might have felt. But in an extraordinary demonstration of forgiveness, the members of the homage community including family members of those who had been killed, attended Robert's funeral and comforted his widow. The Amish community didn't stop there. They also offered financial support to Robert's widow. After all, the loved one was gone. The breadwinner had moved on. Now, could you be those parents? I don't know. So wronged, and yet the forgiveness was immediate. And it's not just that they said, hey, I forgive you from way over here, while Robert's family was way over there. No, they were neighbors, and they went to the man's house and the next day. They didn't wait, and they, came, and they even went to his funeral. They cared for his widow. I don't know if I could do that, but I do know this. That is what we are expected to try to do. Now, you hear me. I say try because God does not expect perfection from us. But that is our expectation from God that we, as we are sanctified and justified and moving towards Christian perfection, make the effort to do. And that's what Jesus did on the cross, you might recall. Luke 23, Jesus says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Now, I bet by now you know where I'm going with this, anybody. <laughs> we all have scars and hurts. We've all been wrong, some of us more than others. But if we're going to be the conductors of others into the space and into the dominion of God, then forgiveness has to become our motto. Now, you might tell me that you've been hurt too much. That you couldn't possibly forgive everyone that's wronged you. You know, that one person who hurt you so much that for the rest of your life you were never the same. You can't even forgive them. And I know what you mean. I have a list like that myself. I have a list a mile long that probably starts in kindergarten. But I'm here to tell you that forgiveness needs to be ingrained in the places of our lives where the wounds are the deepest. To live a life like Jesus, to be obedient to God, we have to show grace. We have to give mercy and we have to model forgiveness. Now remember, I did not say we have to model forgetfulness. I did not say we have to walk back into the space where we have been injured. But we must forgive. And that's how others will know who we are. That's how others will know, especially those who see our rainbow flags and denigrate us, especially places that spend money on LGBT, anti-LGBT legislation and then expect us to come eat their chicken. <laughs> That's how others will know who we are, by the grace and mercy and love that we show them. But you don't have to give them a dollar. It's what brings hope. In the darkest of hours. So what's it going to do for you, right? Because that's the question. Okay, so I do all this stuff. What is it going to gain you? Well, I got good news here, my friends, because your parent in heaven rejoices over your return to her just as the parent in the story rejoices. So whatever you have done, no matter how far away from the parent you have strayed, repent. Now remember, that word repent means to change and to try to go another direction. Repent and you will be forgiven because you are always, just like the prodigal son, the child of your parents in heaven. Jackie Bowen puts it this way in her blog that says the return of the prodigal son. If you're like the younger son and you're a long way from home, you're never too far to return. Your parent who created you loves you and is waiting to forgive you and welcome you back. But if you're like the younger son, or the older son, the one who always did what you were meant to do, the one who's never had a Sunday pass without your bottom on a hard wooden seat, if you're like that, the parent's also inviting you home. Come home to God and find joy in being there. So come home today. Ask forgiveness from those who you need to ask. Show mercy to those who you need to forgive because the only way towards light in these dark times is to carry that torch ourselves. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. You can find me on Facebook at Kathy McIntyre. You can find my show at anchor.fm slash Kathy-McIntyre. You can find me on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Search for Catherine's Random Stuff. 
And you can contact me at kathymc32575 at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you next week.